I'm Zaid Gale, and welcome to the Peace for Kids podcast, lovingly made by our community here in South LA. We're on a simple mission to change the biased way that people look at the foster care experience. And this is the Pointless Forest episode. All right, fam, so I know we haven't published an episode in quite some time. Part of that is because of how the pandemic surges affected our ability to hear from our youth because their voice is the most essential element in what we do. But it's also because we lost our incredible volunteer production team. We're so grateful for Joe Peace and Neil of Spare Women for showing us how to get this podcast off the ground. And we're gonna do our best to not take this long of a hiatus again. We're gonna be releasing seven episodes over the next couple of months to complete our first season. Then we're going to take a short break while we train some members of our community to take over the production responsibilities. We promise we'll be back before the end of the summer with more thought-provoking conversations about the Peace for Kids community and everything going on in our world. May is National Foster Care Month. It's also Mental Health Awareness Month. And yes, the irony of that is definitely not lost on me or the youth leaders in our community. But instead of getting upset about it, we've decided to lean into it. This global pandemic has affected everyone's mental well-being, so we thought this month would be a great opportunity to share with you how we're improving our mental health by advancing a more just world for children in foster care. The first way we're doing that is through a project called The Pointless Forest. Now let me paint a quick picture for you. Imagine you're a kindergarten student who has just started school. You love circle time because your teacher is really animated and reads some of the best books. As the months go by, you notice that all the other students seem to have books read that reflect their life. There's a book about kids with different hair types, a story about kids with different abilities, and one that even talks about kids who speak a different language. And in all of these books, there are parents who help to make sense of their kids' unique place in our diverse world. Yet. Where's the story about your life? As a small child in foster care, the teacher has not read a book that reflects your experience. This creates a greater sense of difference between you and your classmates. It makes you feel unseen and not valued. Well, The Pointless Forest is a children's book that was written specifically for young children in foster care. The idea was to create a book that reflects the foster care journey in an authentic way a story that highlights the strengths of the foster care journey and the power that can be unleashed when our kids recognize their inherent power. I was privileged to collaborate on this book with Miriam Cortez Caceres and Angelica Wandu. The Pointless Forest is semi-autobiographical and reflects Angelica's life growing up in foster care. Now, if you don't know anything about Angelica, Angie for short, then I suggest you look her up. She's a phenomenal writer and the founder of The Shade Room, which is one of the largest black culture media sites in the world. But Angelica wanted her story to be universal in its appeal to all children. So we partnered with Miriam to bring her story to life through art. But a strange thing happened along the way. As Miriam told Angelica's story through her artwork, she began to see herself in the story as well. So much so that I thought it would be important for you to hear her reaction the first time that she saw her images in print. Hi. <laughs> We're in nonstop printing this morning to receive the proof of 
the Pointless Forest. Yeah. Um, here with Scott and Zaid. Yeah. This has been a long time coming, so I just want to shout out Scott because he helped to make sure that we got this thing. Uh, we had a snag in the plan, but Scott came to the rescue as he <laughs> often yeah. does and got us back on track. So this is uh, you know, the moment where we get to see Miriam's illustrations <laughs> and artwork so in print <laughs> for the very first time because the first time we did it oh, we was, no, we don't talk, <laughs> yeah, we don't talk uh, about Bruno. It's we don't a talk about Bruno. So this is amazing. We pull it out for you. Out of the plastic. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't think she realized she was going to see a hardback. No, that is, a, that is such a great reaction. <laughs> oh my god, you're going to make me cry. <laughs> oh my god. It's real. It's a, it's a real thing. Oh my god. It's crazy because I can remember every moment of illustrating it. Oh and it's just. Yeah, this is so much better than what I could have imagined. I'm excited for the kids to see themselves and to know that we care. We should check this page. Being there for that moment was transformational for me. It's what I imagine will happen for the kids who know this story is about them when they hear it for the very first time. How this story will remind them that they too are seen and valued and have a story worth being told. I was also there the day Miriam got the chance to show Angelica how she brought her story to life through art. And now you get to experience that moment too. This is how I um, visualized your story and made it come to life. No, it's beautiful. Like, <laughs> I really connect with it. Really? Yeah, 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 for sure. The page, one of the pages that I really love is the page where Point Luxia goes to the town and she meets these older um, pencils that are dull and brown. The and flats. The, the flats. She meets the flats and she overhears them saying that she's different and they don't know where she would fit in. And that to me resonates with me because I remember that moment in my life where I discovered I was different and I knew that my story was different, my background was different, and a lot of times you can see your difference as like a, a fault, you know, like, or a hindrance, right? And so I just resonate with that, realizing I was a foster child, even though I knew I was in foster care, but like sometimes it's, it's, it's you know, just amplified when you're around people who have mothers and fathers and things like that but also I just was different right um my talents everything about me was different right and so I can really relate to that her feeling alienated maybe less than and um maybe like you know her not fitting in was a bad thing and so I know there's a lot of kids that could relate to that. Did you feel like that at one point too? Yeah, um, I definitely felt uh, this feeling of like, I think if there were like a way to um, capture that feeling, it would feel mm -hmm. small. Mm -hmm. um, and so in those pages, I made her like even smaller on mm -hmm. purpose. So like she's kind of like shrinking in size. Mm -hmm. It's like people talk badly about her. 
oh, I see, because she's, yeah. <laughs> when the first person says something, she's bigger. And yeah. Then, then now it's a group of, group and she's smaller. And yeah. And then there's this, like, redness mm-hmm. to capture, like, the shame. And um, when you're talking about this feeling of, like, you know, you are different mm. and it can be perceived as something bad when it really doesn't have to be a bad yeah. thing. Um, it, for me, like this feeling of other people's perceptions of who mm. I am made me think that there was something wrong with me and I couldn't be different and like excited about it. I had to mm. be different and ashamed about it. I like that you said shame because that's definitely a feeling I felt and um, shame I mean, it does so much harm, you know what I mean, when you feel ashamed. So that was actually a really good word to describe how she's feeling, shame. But also, um, I think one of the things that you said that, or I mean, one of the things that's illustrated is that along your lifetime, you have these experiences. And so you'll have one bad experience, and then you'll have another and another, and it just adds on to it. So yeah, you do go from maybe being confident in who you are to over time getting smaller and, and minimizing yourself and because of all of the things you've heard that kind of back up those negative thoughts that you may have about yourself. So I like that she gets smaller because that is true. Like you hear one person say it and then you're like, what? And then the third person and the fourth person and the fifth person. And then eventually um, you shrink, Yeah. you know? So this page where Point Lexia goes to the principal's office and uh, she made up her mind and she said, listen, you know, what's the point of trying to belong if no one accepts me? And I think that that is that God moment that happens in our lives where we're like, you know what? I just don't fit in. Um, I was never meant to. And it's so funny because I felt like that when I was young and I feel like it now in my career. Like I'm in a new industry and I don't fit in. I'm not like most people in the industry. I'm just not. Like I literally do not fit in. And I remember one time thinking, this is the, especially in this industry, it's like this is the way to success. You have to act like this. You got to do this. You have to do that. And I remember thinking in my head, like, this is not for me. I can't be that person. And I wondered if it would hinder my career, if it would hinder everything that I dreamed of because I just won't operate in this way. And even as an adult, you know what I mean? I remember looking in the mirror one day crying and I was like, you know what? I'm just different. I'm not going to be that. I'm not going to change myself to be that. I'm going to be me. And I just, I'm going to have faith that I can still get to where I want to get without having to do those things. So um, it's such a full circle moment because I remember when I was younger Mm -hmm. and even when Zaid, like, you know, I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to be an accountant because I felt like that's what my family wanted, Nigerian family. Um, you know, and they were like, we just want you to be able to take care of yourself when you get out of foster care. Like, we don't care about, you know, and you can't say you want to be a writer because that doesn't seem like it's fun. Like, it can sustain you. It's Most people think writers are just like broke or whatever. You know what I mean? So they were worried that if I would pursue writing that, I may not be able to financially take care of myself. Um, and I just remember th- that this moment with Point Lexia was a moment I had with Zaid in the car, which is a turning point in my life. When I said, I looked at Zaid after he had took time out of his day 
you know, contacted lawyers <laughs> and it was this whole thing and I met with these lawyers and I remember they told me, they were like, don't do law. It's so, you know, it's crazy. And I remember I looked at him and I said, Zaid, like, can I be honest with you? Like, I don't want to be a lawyer. I think I want to be a writer. And in that moment, I was supported. And if Zaid didn't support me in that moment, I could have went another path. I could have retreated and gone back on that path. But he supported me and I felt enough power behind me to be able to pursue what I wanted to pursue. So this is a very important page to me because it's that moment, this that life-changing moment when you realize I'm going to be who God has called me to be, who I want to be, my talents, you know what I mean? I'm going to, you know, um, focus on those. I'm different. And you just really step into your power. And Point Lexia, even though her head is bowed, um, this is the moment where she usually your head is bowed at this moment because you're like, you've done all you can you've done all you can do you're at your your wits end and then she's like I'm stepping into my power so what was what was a moment like that for you? Well, first I want to acknowledge um, just like how much I enjoyed telling this part of the story because mm-hmm. even hearing you say it, it sounds like it was really an act of self love like. Zaid was there and other people were there, but it really just sounds like you showed up for yourself. You looked at yourself in the mirror and you said, I'm going to love myself and I'm going to be me uh, regardless of the repercussions. Like I just am going to love that part of me. And um, I, that's what like Point Lexia did. And what I find so inspiring about you and Point Lexia, like mm-hmm. you're the same person. Um, or character, I don't know, um, inspiring figure is that um, it's like all the pieces were falling apart. And then um, sometimes it takes acts of love from other people to kind of help put us back together. And really, this was like an ultimate act of self-love because like, who else would you have to like really understand you but you? And I love that point, Lexia, and you did this at such a young age. Um, because some people don't figure this out until much later and um, continue to feel shame mm-hmm. and then resentment for suppressing who they are and they push themselves away and others away. And um, what I love so much about these pages is, again, it's this feeling of smallness, like everything is so big and empty. Um, and then she becomes bigger and then she starts becoming bigger and almost larger than life. And it's just about her. Um And then once, like, you know, uh, in the story when she prioritizes her own needs and really it just can't be contained and it sounds like it's been the same for you where it's like, no matter how much I try to suppress it, like, it's going to keep happening. I'm going to keep being different and I'm going to keep expressing myself. Um, And I have felt that way throughout life, too, um, which I loved the parallels. Um, I remember when I was in foster care... um, I used to scribble a lot mm-hmm. and um, I know I was, I was going through a lot of things and drawing really helped me feel connected to myself and that was my escape and um, I remember I had done all my work and I was really like good at school and I just would finish everything quickly. I started like drawing in my textbook and making like a little stop motion animation like with the pages. Um, And one of the children saw me and told on me, and my teacher was so mad at me. And I had made this really cool animation on the book, um, but all she, and then she looked at the book and it was like covered in drawings. (laughs) 
<laughs> she was like, what are you doing? Mm. Like, you shouldn't be drawing. Like, you should be reading. You should be doing extra work. Mm. And for me, in a moment like that, where, like, that teacher could have recognized my strength, mm-hmm. um, shame, uh, shamed me for it. And I was ridiculed in front of my whole class. And mm. um, it was, like, kind of mockery. And that was one of my superhero strength moments. And really, mm. maybe it pushed me back, like, years um, and it didn't keep me from scribbling. I mean, I'm out here like mm. making full length stop motion animations now and um, illustrating children's books. And yeah. so it's the things that like others don't understand that I have felt in my life, like make me feel like I am wrong. Mm. Um, but there really is nothing wrong about it. It just hasn't been done before. And if we become complacent to our environment, so like Point Lexia living in this world, that's so dull. It's still lovely and it's still nice just doesn't have much creativity not much color um and when she like really started telling her own story it made space for everyone else and um everyone felt like there was a part of them represented and i think that's what um that god moment is about it's Mm -hmm. like you can try to run and hide (laughs) (laughs) you're still gonna be great um you should have gave you a um a book like you know those art books where you could yeah. I would have did that I would be like okay you love to draw okay don't do it in this book but I'm gonna give you a whole book <laughs> yeah. with with all this these pencils and yeah. everything so you can draw because yeah I mean yeah, there's so many things we should do differently with yeah. children we just don't I mean they're doing things differently mm-hmm. so we don't recognize them as strengths mm-hmm. um so yeah that's I guess that was my like god moment yeah. just being okay with the scribbles mm-hmm so the page in which uh, Point Lexi is standing in the field of poppies, the red flowers, and she's kind of looking at the new characters who've just entered. Um, mm. That page for me was very, very um, significant and almost relieving to make. There is this pa- the couple of pages before that where it's like a zoomed in version and you're not entirely sure what's happened. Um, and she's like meeting these characters for the first time and immediately her response is to apologize it's just like oh my god someone caught me like i'm gonna get in trouble again someone's going to chastise me or just scold me for this and their reaction was not what she's expecting and then when you turn the page and you see this entirely new world and really the entire theme of the book has changed and so now it's more bright and even the sky is clear and the school has changed colors. Everything is different. It's this like, it is like once that, um, that call to God moment, um, once that is kind of expressed and lived and honored, you see an entirely new world and it's just unbelievably beautiful. I really enjoyed even just capturing every last flower because I wanted to do it a good, you know, I wanted to honor her and you because it doesn't just happen that way. You can tell throughout the book that she's like trying to kind of uncover what this looks like and she's really suppressing it. And once she really just lets go, she makes this, she, it's just a new reality. Mm -hmm. Nothing will ever be the same and the world is better for that. So that is, for me, that moment of like, okay, um, I have loved myself 
and now I have loved my surroundings and now it has brought in more people and my own journey and my own testament to self-love has now created room for other people to learn from it and learn how to do the same. And that's really what this, uh, these two pages were for me. That's this like moment of realizing that, you know, these, these suppressed talents are gifts and these differences are just, um, they're wonderful and they bring joy and, um, then the rest of the book after this just becomes more and more colorful and even the spirits of like, and it's funny kind of assigning personality to a pencil mm -hmm. uh, because how do you do that? Mm -hmm. But even like in the body language and the curvature and just like the, the pencil contrasted against the other colors um, and the other pencils, just everything becomes more wonderful and I feel like and I, I've expressed this to you before, um, the fact that you were able to realize your dreams made space for me to realize mine and other people in our community to do the same because you were brave enough to dream big. We have all been able to push ourselves like beyond limits, um, beyond our own limits and to challenge our own creativity and our own stories and the outside voices and really tune into our own and see like, the capacity of our magic and that I believe is what is captured in this and yeah wow I mean that's amazing <laughs> to hear um this this page is very important to me because this goes back to a period in my life where I was ashamed to be a foster youth um I would make all kind of lies, say this is my aunt, you know what I mean, or whatever, just to hide that I was in foster care. And I can't tell you why I was ashamed to be in foster care at that time. I, I don't know why it was such a big deal, but that's because I'm looking at it from power now. But back then, it was shameful. I didn't want to be ridiculed or asked a bunch of questions or seen as different. And... um Around that time, I moved in with a white foster mother because before I could just say, oh, that's my auntie, you know, whatever, that's family. But but I had challenges when I moved in with someone of a different race because people were like, that's not your auntie. Like, stop it. Like, you're not related. Like, what's really going on? And at that same time, I found Peace for Kids, and it was the perfect timing because it was I was at a point where I just couldn't lie anymore about that. And then I found a community. And I remember um, coming to Peace for Kids and feeling very comfortable because I was like, oh, I'm around my people. Like, they know what it's like to be in this experience. And we would have these conversations. And I'm like, yeah, I feel you. Oh, you know it. Oh, you know that. <laughs> and so, like, we just could connect on a deeper level. Like, we knew, we, uh, you, you know how, like, people were like, did we all grow up in the same household? It felt like we all grew <laughs> up in the same household. And, um, and I remember saying my first poem, and that was the first time like I publicly talked about my story or being in foster care. It actually was a poem about social workers, or it was called F Social Workers or whatever. Um, but it was my worst poem, but it was actually empowering to sit on that stage. And it was a coffee shop in Crenshaw, but on Crenshaw. But it was it was it was empowering to sit on that stage and just talk about it, you know, and. Even though the poem was whack, when I got off the stage, <laughs> there were people like clapping, like, oh, um, <laughs> they were like, you know, happy that I was this young kid that was able to speak. 
And so um, from there, I was able to write and I started writing about my story. And that was one of the most empowering moments of my life because we were going to Brave New Voices. We were going to this and that. And I was like on stage talking about my story and it was like therapeutic for me. But also it was me finding my voice. I was a writer. I was a a poet at the time, you know what I mean? But always a writer. And um, and that's when I began to find my strength and in in who I was. And so once I began to speak, it was like Point Lexia coloring the garden because it was like, <laughs> oh, you know what I mean? I found this hidden talent of mine and I fell in love with writing. And I would not have if I didn't own my difference, if I didn't own my experiences. That's what helped me own it. And so um, when I see her painting the garden and then also bringing in the other pencils that are like her but different, you know what I mean? Um, and them forming a community and saying, no, we'll be different together. Like, we'll be different. We'll paint the world, uh, paint the town red, literally. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's very powerful. But also look at the impact of what they do to the world around them. They bring color, creativity, change. Um, and they help everybody see things differently. So it's very important to honor people's differences and to accept people who are different because that's what makes the world colorful. Our differences are what colors the world. Now that's what's up. You know, my sisters always inspire me to be better because, you know, they feel into the world around them in very unique ways. They tap into our collective humanity through their art so we can take leaps in our emotional and mental evolution. And what I love most about them is that neither of them believe that they are exceptional. They fundamentally believe in the potential of all our children which is why this book is just the first in a series. Future children's books will be written and illustrated by other young folks in the Peace for Kids community about their authentic foster care journeys. The primary goal of this first book is to be put in the hands of our children and their classrooms for free. But we can't do this without all of you. So if you'd like to sponsor some books or get your own copy, then head to the Revolution of Care Movement website at rockmove.org. That's www.rocmove.org. Now I wanna give a big, big shout out to all the folks that made this episode possible. To Miriam and Angie, thank you for being creatives with a strong appetite for speaking your truth. To our graphic designer, Scott Ortner, thank you for getting this project back on schedule and finding nonstop printing who've been nothing but supportive during this entire process. I also want to thank Savannah Ashur, who edited the Pointless Forest book and gave graciously of her time. The multi-talented in DDO, a big, big thanks to you for all that dope music that kept the energy in this podcast vibrant and alive. And most of all, thank you to the youth, young adults, caregivers, and volunteers who consistently show up and show out 
to create our community as family. I look forward to seeing you all on the next episode. And until then, much love and peace. Now, if you enjoyed listening, and I know you did because you made it to the end, please consider subscribing to our podcast on iTunes and Spotify. So you'll be sure to get updated on all of our new episodes. Also, check us out on socials at Peace for Kids on Instagram and at Peace for Kids LA on Facebook. And one more thing, don't forget to visit our website at peaceforkids.org. That's P-E-A-C-E, the number four, kids.org. Our community continues to grow and we're so honored to have you as part of it.